What's up, everybody? I am back with another edition of the Sunday Scary Stock Talk podcast, where I'm joined by Igor from 100K to 1 Mil. We get into various, various topics from investing, how he got started, some advice he's got for new investors, how he's staying the course during a very volatile time like it is right now, and much, much more. But as always, Please, please, please do not take this as financial advice, as Igor and I are both not financial advisors. Everything you hear in this podcast is strictly our opinion and should be taken as such. So please, again, do not take this as financial advice. Now, let's get into the episode. Whoosh. What's up, everybody? I am back with another edition of the Sunday Scaries Stock Talk podcast. But before we get started, I want to take a special shout out to Financial Stock Data at financialstockdata.com. You can use promo code GCI, as in Green Candle Investments, to get the first month of their premium service free. You can look and analyze uh, stocks and get them on your watch list, put them on your radar, get all kinds of financial metrics and much, much more. So be sure to check them out and use promo code GCI in order to get the first month free. And now uh, for my guest, I have Igor uh, from 100K to 1 Mil on Twitter and Common Stock. Igor, how are you doing today? Hey, Brandon, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So um, we kind of got introduced, uh, I guess, through like Twitter and Common Stock. Um, which is kind of like this new platform of like sharing ideas and everything like that. But I want to kind of bring it back a little bit. So uh, how did you kind of uh, get started in investing? And what was, uh, I guess, the pusher that got you into uh, just investing your money and trying to grow your wealth? So around uh, 2019, 2018, I got more into individual holdings. Uh, Curious, just uh, buying all the known stuff like Apple, uh, Microsoft, things like that. <clears throat> Large cap, uh, not too much volatility, not too much things going on. And pretty much from what, 2018, 19, stock market was going up. Um, so I thought I'm doing pretty well for what I was picking. Um, but then what really triggered in 2019, in August or September, I took Phil Towns course seminar three days where he talks about investing like warren buffett uh so until to that point i have no financial background i had had nothing to do with wall street i have my own business that i run and um but that there was just something about the way i heard of warren buffett before but never exactly what he does and when phil actually goes through the process it just clicked to me like that makes sense. You buy you you buy businesses. You don't buy like um, tickers, and that really he really laid out it nicely. Um, and from there, I decided going into twenty twenty without knowing what we're gonna have like the pandemic, whatnot. That I want to see if within uh, like period of five ten years, I can take my own money. And actually follow the journey and see if I can actually do this full time. So transition from what I do right now to investing, um, to have a little more flexibility. Uh, as you might see on the background, I there's like kid stuff, whatnot. I have two little daughters and I would like to really 
spend more time with them, but also uh, do this, like be more flexible with my time. Because right now I'm pretty much just workaholic with my day job. And that was kind of the push of getting into investing, actually being conscious about the holdings and the process. And um, with that, I started the Substack and just doing it as a semi-hobby, but also to see if I can actually do this full-time without having any real financial background. Gotcha, gotcha. And that makes sense, right? So I, I kind of did the same same thing, right? So, uh, but I think it's interesting your path that, you know, instead of, uh, you know, maybe reading books or, or uh, you know, listening to podcasts, you decided to take a seminar. So what kind of brought you to this seminar? And like, would you recommend going to a seminar for, for maybe a newbie that's like kind of worried or trying to figure out how to get in? So I'll be honest, the reason I did take it is I won a free voucher, I guess. All I had to do was pay for the flight. So he's located in Atlanta and he did it in his, not too far from his like farm. And uh, I actually was a little sketchy that maybe they're going to try to push products and, you know, sell courses. There was none of that. So I'm not endorsing what he did. I'm just giving my experience. Uh, but doing an actual seminar and now knowing it, doing it with the person that actually cares of teaching, it was a nice uh, building ground, uh, building blocks. Because until now, until that point, all I really know the stocks, you know, you buy them, you sell them. And if you do it well enough, you make some money. But the fundamentals, I think it's important to have somebody guide you through the process but also do it the right way so i did start reading some books and um, listening podcasts but with seminars or webinars you can actually ask questions Um, you can actually interact so uh, my own personal experience my questions are usually not the normal question Uh, they're, they're not good or bad they're just i sometimes think a little differently so the question that I might have uh, and nobody else asks and nobody gets uh, to answer it, I'll never know the answer. And I think just if you can do seminars, uh, first, I guess, make sure it's the right, like the person not trying to screw you over just to make, because there's a lot of uh, on Twitter and Instagram, there's a lot of people who are pushing um, things that, they're just trying to make the money. They're not really trying to teach you. So if you have somebody who uh, you know will actually provide you knowledge and you know maybe charge for it, but you got to get something out of it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think like for me personally, I, I've always been a little wary of courses just for that reason. But I can see it on the flip side. Like you said, uh, I know you know a lot of the books I read or podcasts I listen to, they they talk about getting mentors. And sometimes that's difficult, especially in the, you know, just the stock investing space, Um, you know, maybe real estate or some of these other ones, people are a little bit more open, but uh, I feel like in stocks, it it might be a little bit more difficult, especially for, you know, somebody like you or I, who who don't really have like a finance background or, 
a setting finance or something along those lines. So I could definitely see like the value of just going to because, you know, I think a lot of self-motivation comes from like reading and, and listening to podcasts. But, you know, there's also something to like, hey, I, I paid for this or I'm going here for three days just to learn this stuff. And so like maybe you absorb it a little quicker and it's a little bit more efficient with your time. Um, so I, I do think that's interesting, but uh, good on you for getting started and I guess winning winning uh, that uh, free free uh, seminar and everything like that too. Um, so uh, you started in 2018. It's definitely a little bit of a different time right now. We've seen uh, you've seen kind of the COVID crash, the COVID run up, and then now uh, you know another somewhat of a crash. So what has it been like? I guess investing, like getting started. Uh, and kind of dealing with this uh, massive amounts of volatility, because I know you said initially that you were uh, kind of going for these big cap stocks, which maybe weren't as volatile. But has your uh, strategy changed uh, due to some of the, uh, I guess, market conditions that we're in right now? So I definitely can say there are a few things, uh, I guess, 2020 and now um, getting some real volatility under my belt uh until then i didn't think there was any major drops that i can think of right now that were more than five percent overall in like even 17 18 19 pretty much you know more or less market was going higher and there was not much volatility uh the one thing that i started doing before even learning about value investing I always try to bought on some sort of like bad news on good companies. So without really knowing a lot of details to see if this company will survive. And I, before actually investing in any of them, I see a few of them that I saw. Um, I think it was Rithian and there was a few other. They did like uh, spin outs and such things and i see that the value always would come back if companies were not over leveraged uh and i've been told and thought that as long as company doesn't have that they can't really go bankrupt uh and that was like the starting point but i i said in 2018 is when i really started the journey and i decided to be real with myself and open-minded to knowing that uh, this will not go forever uh, but also that i have to be conscious of my mistakes or of what's going on in the market so when 20 so around um, 2020 is when i actually started transitioning some of my money from etfs into webull to actually individually manage the money and i was doing the selling actually before the crush so before the market really dipped in 2020 um about 50 or 70 percent i was in cash and the rest i was actually selling from one uh, i guess broker and moving money to another so sort of timed the market but not on purposely uh, but i also was really conscious that when the market was going down, there was a lot of uncertainty, but I was also running a business. So I had to uh, focus. I have uh, about 10 people working for me. So 
managing that inconvenience of people were scared and but i was never at any point scared to lose money in the market i bought the companies that i believed uh in the long run they would do well and i just kept buying uh, you know so i think there's art to it the process as it's going down i guess some call it buying falling knives but uh, i believe that's how you also generate different um, alpha the base points that you have the difference you know the lower you buy and then it goes back up you have a better price point and i mean you just gotta be honest with yourself as it, it goes down feel your emotions and i personally was not i mean i felt this, a lot of discomfort like i think we all i was down at some point you know 20 30 percent and it's my own personal money it's whatever i have so you know if you if company go bankrupt i lose all the money that's not something i want so i'm really cautious about not losing money before i even make money and where i'm going with this is you gotta know what you invest in so if things hit the fan um you you come you are okay with things going lower maybe that means you have some sort of a cushion so the money that you invested you don't have to touch but also i think it's psychologically you have to be prepared so not a lot of people psychologically ready for big moves up or down and i just feel like people in general are not wired for that so you have to yourself prepare for it do you remember how you felt during the crash of 2020 yeah i mean uh, that's a great question um so uh, I guess a little background on me. So I started investing in like 2016, but I was still in graduate school. So I didn't have a b- bunch of money. And I was using this for probably similar something to, to what you were doing, but it was a robo investor called Acorns. And essentially what that does is it allows you to round up, you spend $9.50, it rounds up to $10 and it invests that 50 cents for you into like general ETFs. Um and uh, so I, I used that. And then, um, you know, I, I kept putting money in there um, as I got through grad school. And then in 2018, I got my first big boy job and I uh, started to invest then um, and pick individual companies. And um, and I even got into to a little bit of Bitcoin as well. And I, and I still hold that. And when it started to crash, it, it just kind of made me realize, like, OK, if I truly believe in these companies it's more of a macro event, right? So it's not necessarily the companies are doing poorly. It's like everything is doing poorly. And that's kind of how I view it now is that, okay, you know, there's a lot of outside factors that are going to affect a company. And so if I truly believe in these companies long-term, that's now's a great time to buy. And I think like you're kind of nailing it on the head there is like, you know, you have that little bit of that anxiety when you see like losing money, especially when you're first getting into it. But I think now more than ever, it's, it's more important to have conviction behind your investments. Because if you truly believe in the company and you believe in you know, the management, how it's run, the product, what have you, you, know, you can kind of ride some of those more volatile waves. And uh, from there, you know, 
you can make some some good money if you if you pick the right companies. And I think it just kind of starts at the beginning, right? It starts where with uh, you know going through the fundamentals and, and understanding it too. But um, you know, I think too, it's also recognizing like when you make a mistake or recognizing that you can make a mistake. So uh, you know, it, it's also I think like a little bit of the mindset too, like invest what you like aren't afraid to lose as well. So I think like, you know, those two kind of factors, uh, helped me a lot, um, kind of going through that crash. And then, you know, now we're kind of seeing it again. And, uh, you know, everybody at the bottom of COVID when everything started running up and they printed money, uh, kind of felt like a genius, but, uh, now, you know, I think like, kind of like along the same lines where it's, it's the same principles where you got to figure out why, um, you know, you invested in those companies in the first place. So, uh, that's kind of my answer to it. Uh, but I'm, I, I, uh, kind of want to get into your strategies too, because you talked about Warren Buffett and a little bit of value investing, but, um, on common stock, which is a really cool feature is that you can, um, put in your portfolio and it can kind of help you track. So one interesting thing that I see on yours is that you use both options and, uh, long-term holdings, or at least what, you know, what appears to be like long-term uh, holdings. So, um, you know, what, like, uh, I know options is kind of like going through a fad or, you know, a lot of people are more talking about it, uh, maybe than, uh, than a few years ago. Um, but, uh, describe, I guess your experience in options trading and like, would you recommend somebody that's new and getting started kind of getting into options to kind of help, uh, you know, maybe capitalize on some of this volatility? So I just wanted um, to mention that around when Acorn started is when I actually also that that was really the beginning, like the real beginning was with Acorn myself. too. Um, and then like slowly I transitioned to other things, but real start was for me to Acorn with the whole change difference. Uh, options. I believe there's two way like investing. Put this, uh, everybody thinks there's two ways of investing. You can do uh, like growth or value. There's always like yin and yang, two stories um, to, to the coin, two sides. So I think there's two ways of doing options. One is you can trade options, meaning you can do momentum. And that's, for me, it felt that's what everybody was doing in uh, 2020, 2021 just uh, doing call options, buying call options, and then uh, hoping somebody else would buy off them to make a profit. That's like the GameStop, AMC, all the fun stuff. That part, I never really understood. Like, honestly, I tried to do it. I lost money on it. I I gambled a little bit, and I did a few of them. So you actually buy contracts, and then you hope somebody else buy them off of you. So if nobody buys them and they expire, you lose money. And that's what happened with me. So it's, they just expired. So I paid for them. It was like a hundred bucks. And I was like, oh, this is sucks. I don't, I don't like this. This is pretty much, you just, I lost a little bit of money. So hundred bucks is, I mean, it's not that big amount, but I was like, that sucks. Like I could have put this hundred dollars into some sort of other investment uh, company and just kept it. So my way of doing it is actually selling uh, puts. So what it does is, uh, let's use 
one of my holdings uh, that I have right now. If you go on comments there, you can see that I have um, LKQ. I have sold puts on for July for a small premium. So I actually keep that premium. So instead of losing that 100 bucks or whatever I with the calls, I actually kept a little bit to myself. But the trick is if it goes below a certain point, I have to take those shares from somebody on the market. I don't know that person. But I'm actually okay with that because the price I put in for those put options is the price that I want to buy this company. After doing all the research, doing everything, this is actually, like if it goes to that price, I think right now it's at $25. And stock is trading right now at 40, 45, 48, depending on volatility. Uh, if it drops 50%, about 50% from current prices, like I, I would love that because unless some sort of fundamental change happened, um, which it could due to, you know, with all the macro plays, even though I say I don't do macro, when I actually start thinking about it, there's actually some thinking I do. Uh, and if it never, if it goes past the point, the date of July, then I just collect the premium. So there is a person, I forgot his full name. He's somewhat popular on Twitter. Um, he runs a fund. Uh, last name is Patterson. Um, so I think if you go through like YouTube or Twitter, Patterson fund, you'll find this. He really thought, think, um, talks about a lot, the, the strategy and much better teacher than I am. Um, but the, that's what I like to do. I like to collect the premium actually on the options. So let's say I don't have the stock a ABC and it goes to 25 and I get filled. I'm okay with, I'm happy uh, to own it at that price because I actually um, was looking for this. So I actually got a little pay more. Caveat to that is you don't want to really do it into any kind of events. Uh, what I learned, my lesson with um, my tech, I did uh, price point at 10 and it was trading at around like 12, 13, but then they had uh, earnings and the stock went to nine. So I got a small premium, but I also bought a little higher than I would like it. It happens, but I still, it was the price that I wanted. The other side is selling call options. So that's really you own the company. So with like AMC's and G, um, GameStop trades, those individuals, they never hold it companies or stocks. I would sell it to somebody else, uh, take the profit, be done. Here you actually will sell your um, stock to somebody else. Again, at the, you give it a certain price range that you're comfortable selling. And somebody gives you a premium for that. And this is where I think you can collect the small premiums that in the long run can be some alpha. Um, that's the strategy that I use. I said, uh, Peterson, uh, if you Google it or YouTube it, explains it really well. He does it on much better scale. Uh, that's really what also Warren Buffett does and Phil Town does. That's, I didn't make I didn't make this. I just copy it. Uh, 
but why not copy things that work and that people that are successful and actually make money out of it um, share the ideas. And that's my play on options. And I believe that's really being conservative because uh, you pretty much aware of the things that you do. So you're, you're not trying to sell it to somebody else. Um, there was somebody that I know at work start explaining the options, like the way they did it in 2020. And when he explains it, I wanted to do it. Like the way it takes, you know, you do this and you make a lot of money. It sounds awesome. But personally, when I actually tried the experience, I just realized it's not my thing. Like same thing, like with trading. Some people are really good at trading. I did some trading before and I just found it's not for me. So you have to find what's right for you, the strategies, and just stick to that. Yeah, and I agree with you there. I think like just kind of understanding what you want out of investing, um, you know, kind of can help you a lot. And it seems like, you know, you kind of have a, a little bit of a longer term outlook, which I think is good because, you know, I trading options as been kind of like uh it almost seems like it's kind of being publicized as like uh you know a get rich quick scheme but it seems like you're using it more for a building long term which uh is interesting i've kind of this kind of like the first time I've, I've heard it described this way and you know i like it it's just you know for me i i don't know if i understand enough about options right now sorry excuse me but um yeah it's definitely something that's intrigued me and uh something that I, I want to kind of dive into a little bit more, uh, especially, you know, as, as things become more volatile and, and maybe I have a little bit more, um, you know, invested in the stock market as well. But, um, you know, you said you started off with the acorns and kind of like the long-term strategy. Um, so you've, you've mentioned Warren Buffett already. Uh, so do you still think like you kind of have those value principles and um, do you think like value stocks have kind of been hurting uh, recently with, uh, you know, the COVID boom and everything, maybe these growth tech stocks have kind of been booming up. Do you kind of see, I guess, uh, more of a comeback for value as, uh, you know, maybe money gets a little bit harder and some of these companies now, uh, you know, don't have as easy access to capital? To me, when I say value, I don't say like P of one, two, some coal mine in god knows where uh to me personally at currently is i might get some crap for it but spotify is a value and it's technically a growth stock um, so I, I don't really see it separately like growth from value i think they're both um really at the end of the day it's the same thing so you buy something at the good value that over time will grow, uh, if that makes sense. And so I never really, since never got the education of financial, like the way the Wall Street does, I never really picked on any like a specific mindset or frame of thinking. And for me, I don't care if the quote unquote, the stock is growth or value. I look at the fundamentals of the company and I'm also trying to under, get if I can understand it and see it long-term growing. So, you know, like I have Spotify that's 
really beat up and uh, <laughs> pretty much all the growth uh, companies are beat up right now. But you have to like start digging deeper into uh, separate good companies from bad companies. And I think uh, one thing I want to point out is uh, the rule that I have for me, I don't invest in companies that have less than five years of data. And I broke that rule with um, Opify and I'm learning that lesson. But also I got to stay away from a bunch of growth names that everybody getting um, really upset about. But they never gave enough data for me to believe into the story. And so this way you can also stay away from a bunch of things when you set certain rules and you follow them. Uh, going back to, you know, the value, like, I think everything in my portfolio is in value. Uh, but I own PayPal, I own Spotify, I own banks. Uh, maybe banks not really growth right now, but if the interest rate keep going higher and banks can adjust to it properly, and we don't have any major, like, crazy recessions, at some point, banks i think should do well um will they time will tell so i never been really into like one camp or another camp that's why i know i never be any like a uh, warren buffett or even close to him uh the, the type of hedge funds because they have certain way of their doing things and i'm just learning my own so i'm just picking a bunch of different things and like creating my own style and it works for me so that's what i have to say yeah i mean i think like at the end of the day it's it's finding a strategy that works for you and kind of helps you like sleep at night right because that's the that's the biggest thing right so if you're copying somebody else and you're just doing it because of somebody else eventually you're going to kind of freak out and be like okay well i don't know why they did this or if they you know, messed up on a stock or something, then you have somebody to blame and then you're upset at them. And, you know, it just kind of goes down this dark spiral. And I don't think that's, you know, a good way to kind of look at it or go at it. Uh, you know, I think uh, everybody can kind of uh, educate themselves and figure out a way to invest and what, what way works best for them. And I think, you know, that's exactly what you're saying is like, I found a way that works for me and a way that I think that, you know, it, it is going to help me and benefit me long term. And so, you know, maybe you uh, aren't as, you know, good of a stock picker as Warren Buffett or, or somebody else. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're doing what you believe is uh, working best for you. Right. So um, I think if I may, you, you, po you point something sleeping well at night. A lot of even like hedge fund people talk about not being sleeping well at night and then there's others on the same level as there and they're saying they're sleeping fine uh that means you're doing something maybe a little out of your comfort zone and again it comes down to human nature human minds and at the end we're all humans so we all think we're all scared of things and even like some famous rich hedge fund individuals 
they're still people. So, you know, they still have to worry about certain things. Um, like, I think what Warren Buffett did is he learned his, what works for him and he just sticks to it. Bringing, you know, Bitcoin. Um, there's some people that are going crazy right now because Bitcoin is falling. And I nimble in Bitcoin a little bit uh, around 2020, uh, 2021, made a little bit of profit trading. But I real I learned that I actually don't sleep well at night when I hold too much Bitcoin. And I just don't hold it that much. I think before this crash, I sold whatever I left uh, for a little like minor loss. And I feel great because personally, I just realized it's not something I'm willing to hold right now. I, I don't have conviction personally, and there's nothing good or bad about it. It's just the way it is. We probably know some people on Twitter that are really big Bitcoin uh, fans, and maybe they're okay with this volatility. You know, that's their strategy. It's fine. Uh, every, there's multiple ways of playing this game. You find your way. You stick to it. And I think the real point is to stay as long as you can in this game. So if you get call margins tomorrow and you're done and you can't rebound from it, there's no second life in this. It's not like a video game. I always think of comparing it for myself because I used to be a big on video games. There's no, you know, there's no respawning. <laughs> Once you get cold margin call, most likely you're done. And you'll probably get a bad taste in your mouth and you're not going to want to do it again. So if you can find what works for you and invest that way, I think that's the best way to do it. I don't know if people will agree with me, but I think that's that works for me. Yeah, no, I'm and I agree with you. You know, like at the end of the day, I think everybody can kind of argue what the what they think like the method is better but like you know like you said like i i believe in bitcoin so i'm fine with holding it and with with you know going through some of that volatility but like i can perfectly see like other people if if you don't understand it or you don't like you know you if the volatility swings might get you or or what like it's not worth you know, losing sleep, right? Um, yeah. know, for like maybe the gains or, you know, maybe you view it as like a get rich quick or, or something along those lines. Like w at the end of the day, you know, even if it comes down to like a company, right? So like if you hold Tesla, for example, or something along those lines where it's like, hey, like it's going up and uh, I'm, you know, or maybe it's like an AMC or a GME where a lot of people are making a lot of money uh, when it's going up or losing a lot when it's going down. Um, that you know, you get a little nervous and uh, you just don't really sleep well when you have those. So it's not really worth, uh, you know, the money that you could potentially make because, you know, at the end of the day, you, you're just unsure. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you there 100%. And I think that that's, uh, you know, an interesting aspect of, of your strategy as well. And so um, before we kind of dive into some of your holdings and some of your, uh, you know, uh, how you think about investing in the long term. Um, what do you think is like the greatest, uh, I guess, mindset or like thought that you have that that's kind of helped you ride some of these waves? And that's kind of like helped you, uh, you know, hold on to some of these companies and keep investing your money, even if like maybe overall your portfolio is down or something like that. So 
I guess two things. One, I have read and listened to a lot of audiobooks or podcasts of actually famous uh, quote-unquote value investors. And whenever they speak, trying to learn from their mistakes and years of knowledge. So obviously, if they're doing it for a long time and they're successful, they do they did or doing and doing something right. So we can always learn from them without even speaking to them. And uh, especially like during these times, a lot of them, they speak um, on the current matters. And you can use that as a guide to see how much you should be nervous or less nervous, kind of like a, a metric, you know, on their level. So a lot of them, they're fine of speaking. I, I hope at least that they're speaking their truth. Um, so that's one way of um, doing it. And big thing I learned is checklist. So I have a checklist of, I don't, honestly, I don't know how many things. but. Uh, all those things are important to me. So if the company checks off on all the levels and I'm invested in it, that means I'm already, there's conviction for me. Um, big one is uh, debt levels. Um, for whatever reason, it really got to me to the point where like too much debt and I don't feel comfortable. Uh, the only exception to this rule right now is um, Warner's uh, Discovery Warner's uh, Warner Discovery Company, uh, the, the merger between HBO and Discovery. They have a lot of debt. That that's because the way it was structured. So um, that one, I'm just sizing it properly. So in case things do go bad. Um, I'm okay with that. But otherwise, it's, I don't know, it really, to me personally, it does come down just to know what you own. If something comes up and you feel like you're, in, you're not prepared for it, um, if you get burned once, I think that's fine. But you have to learn from it. So if that's one thing that you didn't expect before, in a bigger picture of the company. You have to have it not to be burned again. So, um, again, I only speak from my experience and that just been big, like, you know, baby steps and slow and steady wins the race. I think that's just maybe I just the way I'm built. I don't look for a quick profit. I just, I don't think that, <laughs> I actually played the lottery uh, like two or three weeks ago, just bought a ticket and I felt bad because uh, I didn't win anything and I spent $2 on it. And I was like, I, the, again, the, going back to that call option play, like I was like, man, I spent $2 on this, could have bought something else in stocks or something. Maybe just the way I think. Uh, you have to have your mindset the right set the right way. How do you know how to set it up the right way is by experience. You do things, you learn from them, you realize it's okay to make mistakes. Uh, you learn from them, even better when you learn from mistakes of others. 
So again, listening to podcasts or um, doing webinars or reading books from successful people, or maybe not even, you know, not successful in the terms that they got burned. So you learn what they did incorrectly and you don't repeat it. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that I could say. If you have that set correctly, everything else I think will be a lot easier to deal with because you have clarity. You know what exactly what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, on that point, you, you kind of talked about like looking in books and kind of getting in your strategy and you know, understanding your, your holdings. Um, but, you know, part of that is, is uh, figuring out some information and kind of maybe the sharing of ideas with whether it's like FinTwit or Common Stock. And it seems like that has kind of been popularized in the last few years or so. Um, so what, uh, I guess, what do you, uh, think of like a lot of these new platforms like coming up and, uh, I guess the sharing of ideas from like maybe like retail and pro investors to each other. Do you think like that trend is going to continue and do you find it as a useful one as well? I tried a few platforms when they were just popping, um, especially during the 2020, 2021, uh, so far, the one that I like the most is Common Stock. The one that I think is a lot better is Twitter, but that's because Twitter has the volume of people. But also Twitter can be a little bit of a um, negative place in terms of the way people share, you know, some people will share ideas and then somebody comes and just bashes it without respect. and. I feel like on common stock, there, there is none of that uh, for now. And I hope there is none of that uh, in the future. So far, everybody, you know, you can respectfully disagree with people, uh, but don't have to like call them out. And if somebody is down, don't keep beating them down. Uh, and there's just so many other platforms. They just, I don't know, maybe they, looking to grow too fast and with a lot of growth you get some bad characters actors and so far i personally uh use only common stock and twitter and common stock has uh i feel like a lot of what fintwit does but without the negativity and sharing ideas, um, here's the thing is, I'm okay with sharing ideas, but I also uh, feel like people have to do their own research. So I don't want to just put everything out, not because I don't want somebody invest, but I want people to learn why they're doing something so if something happens and the stock drops 50 percent you're not scared but you're actually buying more rather than just sell out because you don't know what's going on and sometimes i feel like maybe i'm not sharing enough of, of like details uh but that's i feel like everybody has to like the last mile has to be done by you not somebody else 
and uh, common stock also has a lot less noise, um, I think. Uh, but that's the two that I, I mean, I used to use uh, a little bit of Facebook, Instagram. There's just, the financial is not that well too much. And there's just too many people pushing like their subscriptions on me. So I stopped doing that. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I, and I agree with, with uh, I guess, the niceness behind common stock. And I think a big reason of that is just because people kind of share their holdings. And so like you can see if somebody has an opinion on it, they actually have their skin in the game, right? So um, I think, you know, with that and a little bit more of like maybe long form text so you can get like a true thesis opposed to the character limit on, limit on Twitter, uh, I, th- I think is good, but you know, like at the end of the day, uh, Twitter just has so many more people on it too so right now. So, um, uh, and it's more of a popular platform. So I think like, you know, there's definitely room for, uh, platforms like common stock. And I think, uh, you know, the sharing of ideas is definitely going to kind of keep going on. Um, and so and uh, if I may add a little bit, yeah, as you said about, uh, sharing portfolio, like it's actually verified. So uh, on Twitter, there's some people that constantly share their portfolios of tickers and um, how many shares, like the percentage of shares they have. Uh, but you, it's not really verified. So, I mean, you can believe it's true. Why would they not? But somebody pointed out to me a while ago that, you know, you can put all this out on a consistent basis, but if there's nothing to verify it, people still will not really believe it. And here, like my personal portfolio is there. I don't really know if anybody looks at it or how many people look at it, but whatever I say, whatever I do, you can always take a look and it's right there. Like I literally have whatever I say, whatever I do, it can be checked. Uh, it's all there, which is really nice. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And now, um, because of that, let's kind of dive into your to your holdings, because you do have, a, you know, the public one out there. And so I think there's a couple interest interesting ones that I, I kind of want to talk about. And uh, first off, I want to talk about your largest holdings uh, at VMD is the ticker VMED, 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 yeah. Yeah, VMED Healthcare. And as always, remember, it's not financial advice and everything, you know, that we say here uh, is just strictly opinion. And we're just kind of going through his mindset of, you know, why he picked this stock, how he found it, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, like I said, do your own due diligence. So uh, let's take it to the beginning. So how did you find this company? And, uh, you know, how did you decide or I guess start to look into it to be like, okay, like maybe this is a company that I want to start it. I want to invest in. Yeah, so definitely please don't sue me. It's my own thoughts. And um, as I said, like everything I do is from my perspective. People got to do their last mile and their own thinking. VMAD is actually, if you would ask me like when I was building up this portfolio and I just got a little bit of it, if you would tell me it would be my largest holding in like some near future, I would not believe that. But the more research you do, the more thinking you do, um, you either get more conviction or you don't. And again, where it comes 
Twitter and common stock, uh, you share these things. And when people come with good tensions, meaning genuine um, curiosity or why you're doing things and you answer and you talk with them, uh, you start getting like feedback from people um, that don't think like you. So they might have some information that you don't or, and it's, it's like setting, uh, putting a puzzle together. Uh, you have a big picture, but sometimes pieces are missing. And whenever you dig deeper, they just magically showed up as more research you do. Uh, so I'm actually in the medical supply business, but I don't deal with, uh, CPAP, BiPAPs and, uh, this oxygen related items so for me i actually didn't want to invest it because i thought oh that's a stupid business um i did a little bit of it i didn't make a lot of money i was like well why would i be getting into something that i tried before but i was not successful personally but then actually looking at the team what they're doing how they're doing and thinking of it like you I'm buying a company. So I have another management who's handling it. I don't have to do day-to-day operations. They're pretty good at, and they know what they're doing. So the more research I start doing, the more thinking, there's some people that start asking me questions. There's some people who start giving their opinions. Uh, They shared another person's opinion and that person has something written. And there's this CEO who talks about these things and, the more the pieces just uh, start getting together, it became a clearer picture. Uh, the problem is it's a uh, small cap. So all the information you have to really dig deep. And if you're not willing to do the research, it could become uh, like a barrier of entry for you to do. Uh, because I really had to... I mean, I think I pretty much read everything, the reason that's public on VMAT. And probably I'll say that this is the only company that I did that with confidence on that because uh, really like, I don't know, some of the things that I got to, I don't even know how I got into that um, black hole. But the more I did it, and I hope it's not uh, confirmation biases on my end, I felt like um, they were doing the right things. And then the questions that I uh, had for the management that I never asked, like my own person in my head, they were um, following through and executing the things that I want them to do without even me, you know, speaking to them. And they were just, you know, the earnings call. And I listened to all of that. Um, and I just, bought into the idea of what they're doing is possible. And I believe that the company is um, underappreciated by the market or what they do. And uh, I liked it so much that I decided to write a whole uh, deep dive on it. And with limited time that I have, it's one of the few that I actually, then I'm happy that I did. And, you with the small stock, uh, small cap, you really have to learn and observe as much as you can before you can invest. And I personally just after doing all the research, I decided it's worth my time. And as it keep going lower, 
I, I just kept buying it. So I really have a problem with buying things as they go down. Like that's just my trade that I'm actually more afraid of buying them as it goes up that I'm not comfortable. So the lower it goes, the more I keep buying. Gotcha. So uh, final question on BMED is what would make you change your thesis on it? And uh, like, I guess, make you sell or get out of that holding. Their whole revenue right now, it comes from big providers of Medicare, Medicaid, uh, which are government sponsored. If they lose the contracts, um, that would be even like one of the two. Uh, no, Medicaid is not as big. So the Medicare, if they would lose even partial states, they start getting their license revoked. That's a red flag. And another one that they're working on right now, um, what's it called? Veteran Affairs, VA. So they're working on it. So if they're not able to get that contract within the next two years or make a bigger progress, that would be a red flag to me too, because they're trying to uh, go away from that only being relied on Medicare to having VA revenue so if they can differentiate their uh revenue more that'll be a like a yellow flag going to a red flag otherwise i mean they're saying that with everything going on they're happy uh in the sense that they have supplies so they bought things before things got bad they were oversupplied so now that uh, there's shortage of supplies they have enough uh, ventilators people want to work for them so they have enough respiratory therapists to keep fulfilling and for better or worse people still smoke people getting older people having uh, oxygen related problems and they're there to help them and uh, whenever they get more people that means that's more revenue so the more people they're trying to help the more mon- money they can make I gotcha. Cool. Well, that makes sense. All right. Well, um, we're getting towards the end of the interview here. So uh, last question before we wrap it up is what advice would you give to new investors getting into the game? Uh, Start with ETFs, dollar cost average with ETFs on whatever basis of weekly, monthly, bi-monthly, whatever you can do to make it consistent while learning about individual um, investments. So maybe you don't have to buy them, but you can paper trade them while um, having the ETF actually snowball the money because you don't want to, personally, if you have zero experience, I don't think you want to go right away, uh, dive deep into individual company with your own money, but you also don't want to, not save anything or just have them in like savings account where they don't really work for you while you're learning about the company. So you have them, that's the way I personally did. So while I was learning, I had them in ETFs that were dividends and making a little bit of profit. And when I was ready, that's when I transitioned. There is no like strikes out. There's you do you. You do what works for you on your time frame, but also you have to make sure that you're constantly pushing yourself to get better. 
I agree 100%. Thank you so much for your time, Igor. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you and what uh, you got going on? Uh, my pleasure, and thank you for having me. Uh, you can find me at this point pretty much Twitter, comment stack at from 100K to 1M, and I write uh, right now monthly portfolio updates and just monthly posts on from 100K to 1M.com uh, on a monthly basis. That's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Everybody go check them out from 100K to 1M on Common Stock and Twitter and from 100K to 1M.com. Igor, thank Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, man. Bye-bye.